Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Happy Independence um, Day anniversary. And I can see many of us are in green. Um, I'm perhaps the only exception this morning. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Father Lord, we want to thank you for you are such an awesome God. And Lord, we are so grateful to you for your love for us and for your commitment to us. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness that is new every morning. And on this very first day of October, in the year 2023, your faithfulness is new and fresh. And Lord, we just magnify you. We thank you, Lord, for your sustenance. And we thank you, Lord, for how you continue to bless and to minister to us and to meet our needs. Thank you, eternal rock of ages. Thank you, Lord, for making it possible for us to come into your presence this morning, to spend time to worship you, to share fellowship with one another, and to listen to you minister to us. I pray, Lord, that Father, your word will come to us uniquely today under your anointing in the name of Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that, Father, your word will work transformation in our lives in the name of Jesus. Thank you, eternal rock of ages. And to you be all the glory. In Jesus' name we have prayed. October is usually the month dedicated to missions and evangelism in our movement. And across the Foursquare movement in Nigeria, we'd all share one common team. And for this month and this year, our team is taking territories. Amen? Taking territories. And our team text is taken from Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. So across all the churches in Foursquare Gospel Church in Nigeria, we would have that common team. And this month, we would focus on missions. By the grace of God, in the course of this month, we're so privileged that we'll be having um, some very seasoned missionaries come to minister to us. Borapade Tukun will be here in the third week of this month. He will take a training session and then he will minister during our third Sunday. Borapade used to be the international director of the Calvary Ministry. He pioneered the work of that ministry in Senegal 
and also pioneer their work in Cote d'Ivoire. Um, very seasoned man of God. He's written several books, both in English and in French, and he has discipled many. And then we would have our own evangelist minister to us um, the fourth Sunday of this month. And um, the last Sunday, we would have our brother Sam Putu, the immediate past international director of Calvary Ministries, a mission agency, also minister to us. So by the grace of God, um, we're really looking up to the Lord to touch our hearts this month as we reflect on the compelling need for us to both share the gospel, take territories for Christ, and I pray that the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. This morning, I'm going to be sharing thoughts with us on the topic, personal commitment to spreading the gospel. Personal commitment to spreading the gospel. I reckon the best place to start from is to start with ourselves. So today we'll be doing a bit of introspection. We'll start from ourselves and then um, in the course of the month we'll look way beyond us to the huge field that is there both untapped and unassessed with the gospel. But today we're going to be looking at our personal commitment. And I pray that the Lord will help us do a very honest appraisal of our involvement both in missions and in evangelism. And I pray that the Lord will take us from where we are to where he wants us to be in Jesus' name. I'm going to read three passages of scripture quickly. Um, before we move into the message. The very first one is Joshua chapter 1, and I'll read verses 2 through to 4, and then we'll cross over to the New Testament. We'll look at Matthew 28, and I'll read verses 16 to 20, to 20, and then I'll round up by looking at Acts of the Apostle. I'll read chapter 1, verse 8. And I'll be reading from the New International Version. Joshua chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. Verse 3. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. Let's quickly cross over to Matthew 
Matthew chapter 28. And I want to read from verse 16. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in and on earth has been given to me. Verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Surely, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Amen. And then, finally, Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1, verse 8. And it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit is come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth and to the ends of the earth to the ends of the earth you know as, as, as I was reviewing this message somehow I just got into struggling with the word obligation and commitment. And I started wondering, so which is better to use? Do I use obligation or is it commitment? What is, should it be a personal commitment or a personal obligation? I then concluded to say that, hmm, Obligation is there, it's settled. We have a personal obligation that has been given to us by our Lord Jesus Christ. We have an obligation as believers to spread the gospel. It's an obligation. But it then, it then occurred to me that you may have an obligation, yet you are not a committed to that obligation. So you may have an obligation and not be committed. Is anyone confused? And we see examples. And I said, oh, okay, that's interesting. You know, the very first one that came to my mind was I started thinking of government in, in, in our environment, whether it's local government or 
state government, you know, they have an obligation, right? Um, are they committed? And sometimes we see parents who have children and they have obligation to those children, but you also see that they may not be committed. I then settled for the word commitment. That yes, the, the, the obligations are there, they're established. What we need to be talking about is our commitment. It's our commitment. So we then see that the Great Commission is a command. And as you see in Matthew 28, verse 19, it says, Therefore, do what? Go. Therefore, go. So it's a command, an obligation. Yet only a fraction of believers, only a fraction, is committed to obeying the command or honoring their obligation to the commission. And as I look at our church, I just wonder how many of us are truly committed to spreading the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. How many of us are committed, truly committed? I pray that the Lord will help us. I pray that as we reflect and think through all of this, that the Lord will help us so that our level of commitment both to this obligation and response to this command will not remain the same in Jesus' name. Let me just look back a bit at Joshua and the events in Joshua 1, Joshua chapter 1, when the Lord spoke to him, and I tried to connect it with the passages that we've read in the New Testament. I just want to bring out a few elements. You know, and there, the Lord showed Joshua, as it were, the land that he was giving to the people of Israel. But between them and that land was not just the Jordan River, but they also had to conquer that land because there were other natives on that land. And this is very instructive for us as Christians because as we talk about taking territories, as we review our personal commitment to spreading the gospel. There will be rivers to cross. Rivers. And these territories, you don't just take them by mere negotiation. You would have to conquer. The Israelites had to fight wars. to take those territories. But the beauty of it, as you look at Joshua chapter 1, is the fact that the Lord gave them an assurance. He gave them the assurance of his presence, and he also gave them the assurance of success. 
And it's interesting to see that right up to this day, that God remains committed to that promise. And for me, this is very instructive. Because as we move to the New Testament, and as we look at Matthew 28, those were some of the closing words of our Lord Jesus Christ when he sat with his disciples. Some of his closing words. And then he said to them that they should go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything he has commanded them. And then he ended by saying, and surely I am with you always to the end of the age. Assurance. Assurance of his presence. And if the same God promised the people of Israel that he was going to be with them and guaranteed success for them and we see it up till this day, then we have no reason whatsoever to doubt God's promise here. Because we also see it. So, we see in Joshua that the Lord said to Joshua, go. And we see in Matthew, God is also telling us that we should do what? We should go. We should go. And then we also see the assurance that he's not just sending us, but he says he will do what? Surely. He says, surely that he is with us always. Always to the end of the age. So there is really nothing to fear as we embark on this venture, this enterprise of taking territories. And we'll look at the scope of this territory in the course of this message I will talk about it. And then another thing to look at too is the territory. For Joshua, the Lord showed him the land, the land of Canaan. But in Acts 1 verse 8, we'll see how it was dimensioned. It says from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. And in Matthew, it says, all nations, making disciples in all nations. And, and you see, as I sat down to think about this, I mean, our Lord Jesus Christ at this time was talking to only 11 people. Right? Only 11 people. And these 11 guys are not the most educated people. They were fishermen, task collectors, you know, guys that you would not ordinarily say are, you know, super guys. And just 11 of them. 
in an age that you will not say, you know, that age, perhaps civilization was just beginning to come out. They could write, they could document, but it's way, way behind. And for someone to now sit and say, go and make disciples of all nations, that must be very audacious. Are you with me? Very audacious. All. All nations. No technology. No internet. No WhatsApp. Even though now people are afraid of WhatsApp. Eh? But nothing like that. No Facebook. Nothing. But it's interesting to see that with 11 disciples, the Lord Jesus gave that command and those guys set out. And the gospel has gotten to you and I in a faraway location. And the gospel continues to move. Just 11. And that same command is being passed to you and I today. It's as valid today as it was when the Lord Jesus Christ gave it. And if you look around, are we more than 11? Are we more than 11? Are we, are we really more than 11? So, would it be right to say that with our size, we can take on the world. Can we take on the world? <laughs> People are not even saying it confidently. <laughs> I thought that the yes would be so loud that those who are online will know that yes, there are people here. So you see, if 11 people have sustained this gospel, then we should do a lot more. Today we have technology, we have all kinds of things. You can come up with messages that would go viral in, 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 in less than an hour. And different people in different parts of the world will receive those messages. There can be no better time for the spread of the gospel than today. Yet the question is, are we ready? Are we sufficiently passionate about spreading this gospel? Are we ready to throw our every resource behind the spread of the gospel? How committed are we? How committed are we? Yet the Lord is there, firm in his promises, never changing, never shifting. He's there to always be with us. And when the Lord is with you, you don't need anything more. So let me then quickly look at spreading through personal involvement, 
Then I'll look at spreading through collective commitment. And then finally, we'll look at um, the rewards of spreading the gospel. Spreading through personal commitment. And like I said earlier on, we need to start at this personal level. We need to start at this personal level. When our Lord Jesus Christ first gave out this great commission, he gave it to his 11 disciples. Because at this time, Judah had gone to commit a suicide, right? So he had just 11. And he spoke to them. And we'll see that each of them, as individuals, were so passionate and committed to spreading the gospel. They had their initial limitations. Some of them felt, oh, this was meant for the Jews. And if you remember my first message, when we're dealing with the team, breaking limits, and I had to talk about how the Lord had to initiate the breaking of limits around the gospel. But once that was dealt with, this 11, and then later Paul and others came, it changed the equation. And the question remains, as an individual, what is your commitment? How involved are you in spreading this gospel? This commission is personal. When the Lord says, go, therefore go and make disciples. That command is to me as Peter, is to you as Chris, is to you as John. You need to take it personal. And from time to time, you do a careful evaluation. How well have I done? This assignment of saving sinners is a call for personal commitment and responsibility. The Son redeemed you and the Son reconciled you to God and the Son has given you personally the message and the ministry of reconciliation to reconcile others to God. You have a scorecard. And what is your scorecard saying? If you don't know how to read it, Sister Tony will help you. Bring out your scorecard. Because it soon comes the day of judgment. When the king of glory. We used to have that song we sing. It soon comes the day of judgment. It soon come the day of judgment when the king of glory will stand up and say to you. And we have just finished going through the team. Be a faithful steward. What are you doing about this? And let me remind us that this commission is personal 
and it cannot be delegated. You know, in law, we have a Latin maxim that we use, and it says, delegatus non potes delegare. That is, you cannot delegate what has been delegated to you. So don't say, well, you know, this thing is for, you know, it's for pastors. You know, you pastors, you better go and preach. Go, go and evangelize. Go, you know, look after missions. Oh, you know, mission work is for missionaries. I, you know, I'm not called to do that. That's, you have been called. No exception, except you are not a believer. Once you are a believer, you have been called. You have been called and you have been commissioned to go. And you cannot delegate it. Because you cannot delegate what has been delegated to you. The Lord Jesus has delegated it to you. He says, look, go and you be my witnesses. And he says from Judea, sorry, from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. So what it means is that you need to start from around you. Then you move to the next community. And then you go on. And there's no, you know, until you cover the world. The work is huge. And some of us have barely started. And when you look at the Jerusalem around you, when was the last time you tried to minister even to your neighbor? Have you ever bothered to present the gospel to your neighbor? To share the gospel with them? Or in your office, your colleagues, have you, have you tried sharing the gospel with them? That's your Jerusalem. Your family your siblings. Do people around you even know that you are a Christian? Some of us are secret Christians. I pray that the Lord will help us. And the commission demands sacrificial personal involvement. It's not going to be very convenient. If you wait until it's very convenient, brethren, you will wait forever. And some of the people will die without hearing the gospel. And when you have had the opportunity of presenting the gospel to people and you have failed to do so and they die without hearing, what happens to you? Have you ever thought of it? Eh? Never thought of it. Go and find out. I pray that the Lord will help us. Every aspect of the gospel, every aspect of spreading the gospel requires sacrifice. It requires sacrifice. If you wait until it's convenient or it fits into your plan, or fits into your, how you have arranged your life, 
you won't do it. You won't do it. There has to be sacrifice. You see, the message of the gospel has never been delivered on the platform of convenience. It's never been delivered on the platform of convenience. Right from the 11 that the Lord Jesus commissioned, it was never delivered on the platform of convenience. Right from the onset, even for Peter, the challenges they had to face, they had to go into prison, they had to pay prizes, some of them eventually were killed. But for many of us, we're not even being called to sacrifice our lives. Yet, we do not want to go through any inconvenience for the gospel. I pray that the Lord will help us. But we need to remember that this commission demands personal sacrifice. It's a sacrificial personal involvement that we are called into. And it starts by the sacrifice of praying for souls to be saved. Praying for souls to be saved. When we kneel to pray, how often do we pray for people, either in our families or in some communities that are yet to hear the gospel? How often do we pray for them that the Lord will touch their hearts, that somehow they will get to hear the gospel and come to Christ? How many people do you have on your prayer list that you are praying and trusting God for them to give their lives to Christ? How many people are you praying for? Or is your own prayer just your own request? Father, bless me. Father, bless my wife, bless my this, bless my dad. Give me this, give me that. Heal me. This sickness, take it away. Blah, blah, blah. That's all. Let our prayer list from this moment on change. Let us seek the furtherance of the kingdom of God. Let us begin to take territories by commencing with praying. Because as you begin to pray for those people your friends, your neighbors to give their lives to Christ. As it begins to happen, you are gradually taking territories. And then you keep moving on. So we need to be more committed to praying. It's Dick Eastman. He said, in no other way can the believer become as fully involved with God's work, especially the work of world evangelism, as in intercessory prayers. I just pray and hope that 
we can come up with prayer platforms that are dedicated exclusively for praying for missions. Praying that the gospel will spread out. It is said that prayer is a womb that bets salvation. When we come for even service like this, and you see one person, two, three, four, five, give their lives to Christ, is because some people have taken time to pray. To pray. I once read an account of an of a lady who was in a church and nobody took notice of her. But that was how revival started in that church. And when they traced it back, it was traced to a woman, not to the pastor. It was traced to a woman. And guess what the woman used to do? She comes to the church every morning. She will pray and she cleans the seats. And for every seat in the church, she will pray that anyone coming to service today who will sit on this seat, let that person encounter the Holy Spirit. And that was how that woman prayed. She was fervent. People didn't even notice what she was doing. And the Lord honored her prayers. And that was how revival started in that church. So you see, when we talk about revival, people will be looking at the next person. And then ultimately, they're also looking at the pastor. But the reality is that the revival can start where? Can start where? With you. With you. With you. And that is what the Lord is saying to you today. And I just pray that someone here will hearken and will take this to heart. Praying. Praying. The sacrifice of praying. Praying for souls to be saved. I pray that the Lord will help us. Also, the sacrifice of doing God's will. The sacrifice of doing God's will. His will guides us into our destined path of submitting to God's will. He desires that we get involved in evangelism. He desires that, look, each time God wants us to do something, you don't sit back and, and argue. There's something to be done and God needs a hand. God is looking for a man. And then you can stand and say, Here am I, Lord. Send me. Here, sometimes we even go and meet the people and say, God wants to send you. You say, Ah, let me pray. You won't see them again. Because they would calculate and look at it and, and say, Ah, you know, they would think that this is a disruption. It will disrupt their plans.
let's give God the priority of place. And I pray that the Lord will help us. But this is very important. Because the, the, the field, the harvest is ready. But the laborers are what? Few. Very few. Because people want to do their own things. They don't want to do God's will. They don't want to do God's will. They enjoy their personal comfort and convenience. If they must do, they want to pick what they do. Not what God wants. What is convenient for them to do. So they can come to you, oh, pastor, um, ah, this one that you're asking me to do is too much. Oh. Just, just let me teach in Sunday school. Jeje. Ah, all this uh, evangelism. Just, ah. Don't make the mistake of even calling them to come and be pastors. They say, ah, pastor, okay. And you look at many of them, they are so gifted. They will make great pastors. But when you tell them, ah, they will be avoiding you. For t- <laughs> you know, when they see you coming this way, they will just go in the opposite direction. The harvest is ready. There's so much to do. And I remember when we were here then, when, you know, some of the things that we did, how we started a whole huge cross-cultural mission work, got people who responded to the call to mission, and we sent them to mission school to be trained, and they went into the field cross-cultural mission as missionaries. Some went to even tough terrain. I remember very well one of our fields in Senegal and I went to visit that field in Kaulak. Kaulak is a hard place. I tried to sleep. I spent two nights there. The kind of mosquitoes in Kaulak, I've not seen them so, you know. But you see, the people there need to hear the gospel. People perhaps will prefer the comfort of Dakar, the convenience of Dakar. But yet you have people in Kaulak who need to hear the gospel. It's just like here. We enjoy the comfort of Lagos, the comfort of our church, the air conditioning here. But there are people out there that need to hear the gospel. And someone once said that, look, what right do you have to keep hearing this gospel over and over again when some people have not even heard it once? I pray that the Lord will help us. I pray that the Lord will help us. The harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few.
You have people who are endowed here. Yet some people are overworked. Because 20% of the people do 80% of the work. I pray that the Lord will help us. And you know, these days, because of technology, we can do so much. And sometimes, within a shorter time frame, yet we are not taking advantage of it. We take advantage of it for a circular walk where we'll make money, but we don't want to do it for the gospel. pray that the Lord will help us so that we can prioritize the sacrifice of doing God's will, of responding to God's call. And then you have the sacrifice of giving. Giving to support missions. Giving to support evangelistic work. Let me quickly look at spreading through collective commitment. And as I look at collective commitment, both as a local church, as a movement, we must come to terms with the fact that mission is God's heartbeat. It's God's heartbeat. Because God wants this gospel to get to every nation. God wants everyone to be presented with the gospel and presented with the opportunity of making a decision for Christ. And you and I have that responsibility. As a church, we have that responsibility. Because the church exists for that. The church exists. One of our major responsibilities is what I call to ensure the quality and the quantity of life transformation. And life transformation across the line. Ensuring that, look, the life transforming power of the word of God is made known to people all around the world. That's our responsibility as a church. But who is the church? You and I. We are the church. And I pray that the Lord will help us so that we can get this gospel to spread. And spreading the gospel is rewarding. Spreading the gospel is rewarding. Spreading the gospel is rewarding. You know, the Bible tells us in Luke 15, 7 that, look, there is celebrating, huge celebration in heaven for every soul that comes to Christ. Now, do you want to be the cause for that celebration? Do you want to ignite that celebration? 
when you are a part of the process that brings a soul to Christ, that ignites celebration in heaven, wouldn't you be happy? Even if you are responsible for igniting celebration here, you'll be excited not to talk of heaven. But brethren, for every soul that comes to Christ, there is celebration where? There is celebration where? Yes. Yes. And I think that is cause for great commitment. You can imagine if every day you are causing celebration in heaven. You are here. You are causing celebration in heaven. The day you land heaven, they will say, ah! That guy has finally landed. They say, ah, Peter, welcome. You have come. You used to cause celebration here. And it's good to have you here. Amen? Amen. People are not even smiling. We're talking about heaven. <laughs> you know, so you can imagine if you have been making people happy. You know, some of you who, you know, you know some of you who do things in your village. The day you go to the village, if they hear that you are coming, the news of your coming is cause for celebration. It's cause for celebration. So you can imagine if you've been making heaven happy. Every day you win one soul, they will celebrate in heaven. Every day you're just, you're just making them happy. The day you land, they'll say, ah, I need to go and see that guy. I pray that that will be our portion in Jesus' name. Amen. That they will celebrate our arrival in heaven. Amen. I'm not saying that um, you struggle to enter heaven. No. You know, some people are even struggling. But I'm saying that you enter heaven in style. Yeah? That they will celebrate your arrival. And you should clap now. You know we're not going to be here permanently. And that's why I keep talking about scorecard. That scorecard will surface. I pray that the Lord will help us. So that's one reward. Celebration in heaven. Then the joy of seeing the transforming power in the word of God at work in the lives of men. I have seen people, I have seen people transformed by the gospel. People who were not Christians before, who gave their lives to Christ, I now see the transforming power of the word of God at work in their lives. And that is cause for joy. That's cause for joy. People that the world would have given up hope on and suddenly they give their lives to Christ and they become a new creation. All things have Don't you want to be part of that? Don't you want to be part of that? And that's why we need to be involved in spreading the gospel. And then con commendation. Commendation from our Lord and Master. We went through the account of the faithful steward. 
You saw that steward who had five talents and he made five more. What did the master say? Eh? You know, he said, good and faithful servant, come and share in the joy of your master. Come and share in the joy of your master. It shows that, look, the master is delighted when we win souls, when we do well, when we put the talents that he has given to us to use. The Lord is delighted. And that's why he can say, come and share in my joy. And do you want the Lord to say that to you? You know, as I think of our church, you know, if the Lord could do what he has done with 11 people, we have more than enough to turn this world upside down. And I believe what I'm saying. We have amazing people in this church. We have someone who has done something that the whole, he, he, is, he has a platform that drives collection, the, the entire federal government collection for a long time. An amazing platform, making waves not only in Nigeria, but spreading to the rest of the world. Here. So you can imagine if we have that person or another person who will come up with something too that will create ripples and move the gospel. And maybe you call it remita gospel. We have someone here too who, leading his institution, has created an amazing platform for financial inclusion and financial services. And everywhere you hear a lot. And I said to him, I said, look, can we create a lot gospel? So that we can get the gospel to go out. Everywhere you hear a lot, a lot, a lot. And many people here have created all kinds of things. It just tells me that, look, there's so much that we can do. We can take on the world. And I'm not being overambitious. And I'm not being patronizing. I'm telling you the truth. And we have young people too. We can get this gospel. We have what it takes. The Lord has given us talents. And someday he's going to ask us. I pray that the Lord will help us. I pray that the day of reckoning, when it comes, will not be like the third servant. Who went to bury his own talent. And started telling the master, you know, I know you are a hard man. You like to reap where you have not sown. We'll be saying those kind of rubbish to God. I pray that that will not be a portion in Jesus' name. Let us rise up and pray. Let us rise up and pray. I just want you to start talking to God. I want you to start talking to God. 
I want you to bring out in your heart between you and God. Bring out your scorecard. Bring out your scorecard. Some of you have been Christians 10 years, 20 years. How many Christians have you led to Christ? How many are you discipling? Bring out your scorecard and begin to talk to God. Ask God to help you. There is still opportunity for many of us. Many of us are still young. And even those that are not young, there is still time. You'll be amazed how much you can do in a month, in six months, in one year. Let's begin to talk to God. Let's, let's ask that the Lord will help us. So that this enterprise of spreading the gospel. Let us ask that the Lord will help us. Let us pray to God. And do we have anyone with us this morning? Whether on site or online. You have never given your life to Christ. You know, you cannot give what you do not have. That's the Latin, the Latin maxim that says, Nemo dat quod non habet. You cannot give what you do not have. So the very first step for you to be involved in spreading the gospel is that you have that gospel. That you believe in your heart. That yes, that Jesus came to this world and he died. On the third day, he rose again. To pay the price of your sins. So that you will be reconciled to God. And if you want to be a beneficiary of that reconciliation. This is your chance. All you need to do this morning is stretch your hands up. Just raise your hand. Your right hand. Raise it up to God. He's looking at you. He sees you. He sees your heart. So that we can pray with you. Our ministers will take you quietly, whether you are in the main auditorium or in the penal session, or you are joined us, connected to us online, worshiping with us online. This is your chance. Just raise your right hand up. You are not before any man. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. Stretch it well so that our ministers can minister to you quietly. Stretch it well. God bless you. God bless you. This is your chance. Tomorrow may be too late for you. God bless you. Follow our ministers. Just go with them. They'll take you into a room and they'll pray with you and minister to you. God bless you. God bless you. This is your chance. This is your chance so that you can start on this journey. Tomorrow may be late for you. Time is of the essence and time is ticking. There is a great sense of urgency with this call and commission. And the place to start, you need to give your life to Christ so that you can join this army of believers who are spreading the gospel. You need to give your life to Christ. You need to allow Christ, you need to allow the transforming power of the word of God to begin to walk in your life. Because you can't carry the good news if you are bad news yourself. I pray that the Lord will help us. The rest of us, let us pray. Let us pray. Let us pray that the Lord will help us. That as we come into the, as we come to his table this morning, on this first day of October, 
in the year 2023 that we come asking that the Lord will ignite in us a fresh passion for the spread of the gospel. That the Lord will touch us if we've been waiting for a convenient time to get involved. Let us know that that time may never come. No time is convenient. This gospel will be spread on the platform of inconvenience. Many of those who are involved today are not involved because it is convenient for them, but it's because they have to do the will of God. And I pray that that will be your portion in Jesus' name. Let us ask that the Lord will help us. Father Lord, I just want to pray for as many as are crying unto you this morning, desiring in their hearts to be a part of spreading the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that, Father, you hear their cry. I pray, Lord, that you hear their cry. I pray, Lord, that, Father, today will mark a turning point in their commitment to their personal involvement in spreading the gospel. Lord, I pray for your help. And I pray, Lord, that you grant them the grace of consistency and you put in them permanently the compassion for the lost, the compassion for those that need to hear the gospel but have not heard. Put in us the commitment to praying for souls that are yet to be saved. Put in us the commitment to do your will by responding to your call, no matter the inconvenience, no matter the disruption it may bring into our lives. Help us, Lord, to make the adjustments to your call in the name of Jesus. Help us, Lord, to give to give to the cause of spreading the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, help us as a local assembly to be responsive to your heartbeat missions. We have enough to take on the world here. Help us not to be laid back in the name of Jesus. Help us not to be like the third servant, complaining and giving excuses. Help us, eternal rock of ages. Help us, Lord. Help us, Father. On our own, we can do nothing. But we know with you, all things are possible. Thank you, eternal rock of ages. And to you be all the glory. In Jesus' name we have prayed.